So hello everyone, my name is Trishna Kaur and I'll be your host for tonight's episode of the 50 Shades of Pink. Now, today's session is a rather special one as today's guest is one woman who truly suits the saying, she believed she could, so she did. Introducing Ms. Gita Kandia. Ms. Gita is currently the director of Cast International Sandhya Bharat, a leading intellectual property firm which offers solutions for intellectual property matters not only in Malaysia but also worldwide. Hello Ms. Gita. Hi, Trishna. Thanks for having me over. Thank you for joining us. Trust me, that was the shortest introduction I could give you because Ms. Gita, truly a list of accomplishments are never ending and remarkable ever since 2005. I was just going through your LinkedIn and it was just a never ending list. Super excited to be interviewing you tonight. Super excited to be here tonight to share with all of you my experiences. Okay. So without further delaying, let's begin. So let's start off the night with a rather stereotypical question. What inspired you to take up law? Uh, that's a good question. So initially I wanted to do medicine and I was uh, planning to do medicine for most part of my life. And then as I approached form four, my mom had a talk um, explaining that medicine probably required more hours and it'd be difficult to balance life um, as a mom juggling with kids and a career. And, 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 Thinking about that, I decided that maybe I should take something that's more flexible. Maybe law would be easier. Having said that, now I believe and you want to drive ahead and you're driven, it will still be difficult to juggle. You know, anything you pursue, if you've got a passion into it, it's going to be difficult to juggle. It's not just about medicine, law, being an architect or an accountant. But at that time, I then changed my mind to pursue law. Thank you for your answer. And then you furthered into intellectual property and you dive deep into that sector. So how did you recognize your interest towards the IP sector? Because in law school, it's an optional subject and uh, many of us are not aware of it generally. You know, we just know the term. So if you could just share a general understanding towards the subject matter and uh, maybe a day in your life at CAS. Yeah, so uh, when I pursued law, I was had opportunity to study in Bristol University in UK, and uh, it was an elective. In fact, it's interesting that you say it's an elective. I think in Malaysia and in UK, it's an elective. In Australia, as we found out that intellectual property has been made compulsory, it's a mandatory area of law to pursue, and that's very interesting. It shows where the world is heading uh, with knowledge-based economy. Intellectual property rights are very important for all lawyers to study. Um, I studied company law, medical law, and um, intellectual property law out of interest and in doing the doing law, the studies itself. And intellectual property law I, is what I found to be really interesting. There were so many application in the business world. We see trademarks all the time. You go shopping, you see brands, either for grocery shopping or for clothes and fashion, you see brands. You relate to copyright. You see that on music, you see that on the TV, um, you see that in literary work. So everything around us actually has intellectual property rights. And the cases, you know, when you're doing law, you learn a lot about disputes. So the cases were highly interesting for me. So I really was fascinated with that specific area of law. My father was an intellectual property lawyer in Malaysia. So I found that, wait a minute, he practices intellectual property. He had specialized in it and I love it. So this looks like 
the direction I'm heading towards. So it was really very much coincidental. I didn't choose it because he was in it, but more so I love it. And so happens he's in it. And he, um, P. Kandaya, is one of the pioneers, one of the pioneers in Malaysia to, to be in this area, to specialize in this area. And I was not aware of that until I came back from the UK and started chambering. Uh, when I was chambering in the law firm, it was really funny when doing the interview. Uh, someone said, you know, the Kandaya in your name, is it the IP lawyer P. Kandaya? And I'm like, whoa, that's famous. So, so uh, at that point, I wasn't aware that that's how well-known he is in this industry. That's how he has carved his name out. Uh, he used to do litigation, used to be, I found out I loved IP law and then came back, chambered, and then also decided if everyone knows him, I might as well just join his firm uh, and pursue my passion there. Thank you so much for your answer. Yeah, you know, we see brands and trademarks everywhere, but maybe just a little general understanding of what IP law is, like why is law there, maybe very short. Yeah, okay. So to many who don't understand intellectual property law, intellectual property law is already explained in the name, in the term intellectual property. It's property of the mind. So that's the intellectual. Property of the mind means anything an individual creates. It's artistic work, it's music, it's literary work, it is inventions, improvements to existing products or processes or new products and processes, improvements out there. Then it's goodwill and reputation in a brand, in a trade name, in the signs of the spectacles you are wearing or the clothes you're wearing or articles around you, designs that are unique. So it basically is anything that is created by someone should have exclusive rights. They have spent time, money and effort. So they are then given monopolistic rights. And how do you get those monopolistic rights? It's through a registration process. Then intellectual property law also involves disputes. When you have monopolistic rights, other entrepreneurs might trespass those rights by copying, by misusing those rights. So that's the whole realm of intellectual property rights. Also, intellectual property rights helps a business boost up its value, you get businesses using intellectual property rights to earn more income, more revenue. For example, if you have a brand and you have a system, uh, a standard operating procedure that's consistent, let's take McDonald's and KFC, they then go through the route of franchising. And what is franchising about? Franchising is duplicating a business, but they also then license the intellectual property rights, which is the trademarks, the trade secrets, the recipes, and so on. So there's many ways where businesses thrive on intellectual property rights. I hope that uh, gives a nutshell on what IP law is about. Yeah, definitely, because um, I watched one of your interviews by Bernama. Yeah, so you gave a very good understanding there. But yeah, um, yeah, thank you so much. I, I hope the viewers um, understand further this method because we always hear it out, but we don't know what in essence it means. So thank you so much. Uh, moving on to our next question. You have been interviewed by various sources such as Bernama for your remarkable accomplishments. Could you share some tips and tricks with us on how you improved your speaking skills and confidence on screen and off screen over time? Right, great question, Trishna. Um, I'm not sure whether the podcast is listened to by law students only, but law students, I feel, and move on to be a litigator. Uh, that's the main 
or that is a very crucial skill they need to have. I enjoyed very little litigation when I was chambering, when you had the opportunity and I realized then that I actually enjoy speaking in public, even though it was at that time it was in a court. And when I joined CAS International, we don't do litigation or we don't, we're not a law firm, we are a boutique consultancy company. So there was a realization then that, oh, I might, or I won't get an opportunity to do advocacy and I would still like to speak. And I went into the line of let's speak on IP, let's be a public speaker on IP and pursue my passion there as well. And I joined Toastmasters. So I felt I was a good speaker already, but there was a lot of learning I could have from better speakers uh, in various other industries, five to better themselves, uh, people who are improving themselves on a daily basis, and also working on the special skill, which is public speaking. Public speaking uh, might be natural to some, but it is not um, a skill that cannot be improved. And in Toastmasters, you meet various people from different industries. And that's also fun because you are not just in the area of law. And for me, I'm not just in the area of law. In a general law firm, you meet different lawyers with different experiences because there's different specialties. I've gone into a super niche specialty and it's a boutique firm that only practices IP. So my exposure would be from other people, other industries. And I was in Toastmasters for two years and it was one of the best things because when you speak, you are evaluated, you're given feedback on how your speech was, you learn to, you're taught how to speak with um, various tones, pauses, to not have fillers, which is um, ah, and what's so, and repeated words and so As a young lawyer at that time, the Toastmasters totally propelled me to improve public speaking skills. The other thing I can advise is, Apart from joining something like Toastmasters Club, which there are plenty in Malaysia, by the way, if, if anyone needs um, to find out, just Google about Toastmasters in Kuala Lumpur or in whichever city you're in. Uh, the other thing I would recommend is to also grab as many opportunities to speak. Because when you take opportunities to speak, every speaking opportunity improves your skills. All right. Thank you, Ms. Hidayah. Definitely, we shall all try to imply that. Moving on to the next question. We often hear that a law degree is a versatile one. But based on your experiences in the business world as well, because um, I think you've been a business coach, etc. So do you feel law graduates have a high employability rate if they decide not to practice law? We law teaches us to be analytical. It's really interesting because for three years when we study law, all we are doing is analyzing situations and problem solving. And being in a business world and being one of the leaders in my team, I feel that most of them all we're doing is problem solving. So that is why being a law graduate gives you a wide range of industries to enter into. Um, and people are, or industries are looking for lawyers and for that reason, you are analytical. The other thing about lawyers is that we're also exposed to high level of reading, high volume of reading, and that helps a lot of different industries as well. So in that sense, yes, it is high, a highly employable um, degree to pursue. It's, it's one of those degrees that if you do law, there are hardly any chances of you being unemployed at a later age.
or later stage. Thank you so much, Ms. Gita. So coming back to your involvement in the business world, we noticed that you're involved uh, as a business coach. So how did that journey begin, like from being a lawyer to a business coach? It was an opportunity in 2019. A friend of mine who actually I met at Toastmasters Club about 17 years ago. So it's ironic how the dots all connect. Um, never underestimate who you meet and where you meet them and how it will act, end up flowering into something different later on. He approached me because he had started a coaching company. He was a business coach and he was recruiting business owners to be coaches as well. And at that time, I still remember he asked me out for lunch and he was explaining what he was doing and say, I'll be an awesome business coach. And he explained why he said that you've built or you've helped build CAS to where it is. Uh, my father did start the firm and he was running it really well. And I helped to put in systems in place, create teams and also hire talent. And we have 60 team members. Um, with five distinct departments and various services all in the intellectual property field. So he saw the changes I brought to the company and said that if you can do this to CAS, why don't you coach other businesses on how to improve and how to scale up? So that was uh, early 2019 and it's been about four years on. And it has been an interesting journey because as a business coach, you then wear different lenses when you advise, you look at strategies all the time and you explore various strategies on how a business should actually expand or better their value proposition to their customers, whether it's a product company or a service company. So that's how I got became a business coach. Thank you, Ms. Gita. So moving on, someone like yourself, who has accomplished so much over the years. I keep repeating that because I am still astonished. I cannot get over the fact that you have done so, so much. So yeah, someone like yourself who has accomplished so much over the years. And as we know, with many accomplishments come many obstacles. So we would appreciate if you could share how you dealt with these obstacles that came before you and what kept you going when you faced hardship, hard, sorry, when you faced hardships. Um, I think there's hardships in everyone's lives. Uh, it helps a lot when you have very strong parents. I think my parents and I, my parents gave me a huge source of inspiration and strength. Uh, the hardships I had initially, you know, it's interesting as a woman, you, the, my first hardship was juggling. Um, I wanted a big family and I have three children. That is definitely a challenge to to pursue your career be driven and go after what you want we have we have big dream not just me the team in cas have a big dream but at the same time you're also meant to be there for your kids and have time and quality time and i attended a talk when i was very young 20 something when um i still remember it was a business owner who runs a restaurant with her husband and she said this um, I hadn't had kids at that point, but can you imagine like 20 years on, I still remember it. It was a line that said, behind every successful man is a woman, usually his wife. <laughs> behind every successful woman is a very reliable nanny. 
and I hadn't had kids at that time. And you know, that line stuck in my head because it's true. When I had kids and I started hiring um, a helper, a live-in helper, and having a live-in helper is probably the best thing that allows a woman in our country or in Asia work and pursue their own career and their own dreams without letting letting go of that want to have a family as well. So that was my first hardship, <laughs> telling my kids that they are my hardship. Well, they know it, we talk about it. Um, uh, in 2018, I had a divorce. So that was another challenge that was then suddenly put on my plate. You know, when you put, when they, what they say, the whole, uh, if God throws lemons at you, make lemonade, um, or you can make gin and tonic. I also with a lemon in it. <laughs> but um, what, what I think is um, everyone has strength in them and you are pushed to look for strength when the time comes. I've, I'm amongst amazing women all the time. I see it happening um, and I thrive on that. I thrive on, on meetings, uh, really strong women and I learn from them. There's so many who have it more difficult. I think you can look at your life and see whether is it difficult and moan and groan about it or you can just dust yourself, pick yourself up and just move ahead and that's what i did so 2018 was when we moved officers 2018 was a big year for me it was the year i got a divorce but also a year where we moved to a 6100 square feet in bangsa um, and it was the year that i completed my full marathon and the year that i did my first triathlon so i uh just kept going and and i guess focused on other things you know if you focus on the negative uh, elements of your life it's it's very easy to get depressed and it can destroy you it can destroy your career it can just it would have destroyed me my family if i was um, um looking internally and looking at the negative aspects but that year i realized that i started focusing on a lot of other things so that it distracts you from the the other craziness that you have um, and it was okay. So it's a amicable divorce and the kids have both dad and me in their lives and the focus is raising them to be really happy individuals. Uh, well, strength is found from many things and I feel that for me what worked was who I sound, surrounded myself with. Family and friends who are very strong or great role models. Also books that we read and videos that we watch. Um, that All of that helped to kind of helped me to overcome the hardship and also give me further direction. So coming back to what I was saying, like your hardships molded you into the person you are today and, and I am truly inspired. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us and your personal experiences. Moving on to the next question. What advice you could give to fresh graduates who are not completely sure about their career paths? That is an excellent question i would say have as much exposure as possible and you know what is sad about i think in malaysia is that we don't get exposure earlier on for lawyers it's really really lucky because in malaysia it's three years in the us that is why law is a postgraduate you have to do a basic degree and then pursue law so you must be very sure you want to do law before you do law as a career uh, same for medicine I find that actually that system, maybe it's better because you actually need to know you want to do it before you pursue it, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't even do it as a postgraduate degree, a second degree. Uh, 
Exposure is highly important. So as a fresh grad, if you're referring to a fresh graduate in law, I would definitely recommend working in a general law firm, trying to work in different departments, and that will give you exposure to different areas of law, which are very vast. You know, medical negligence is completely different from intellectual property, uh, and conveyancing is completely difficult from uh, insolvency law. So you're looking at getting as much exposure as possible, because that then determines what, what do you like. It's always about finding out what you like, um, putting in the hours and learning in that field. It doesn't become a chore. That's very important. Learning in that specific field shouldn't be a chore. It should be interesting and your curiosity is um, um, stimulated. Then 100% that individual will be successful because they like that area that they've chosen to pursue. So how would they like what they want to pursue? It's definitely from exposure. And I was saying earlier that Malaysia maybe we're at disadvantage. And the reason I say this is because in CAS for the past, I think, 15 years, we've had Australian interns um, who usually come here physically. And we've always had two to three interns from, from Australia. But now it's a virtual internship. And when you look at your resume, when I look at your resume, very often, they have so many years of experience from the age of 14, 13, 14 um, in various types of industries, whether they are cashier, whether they are paralegal, whatever it is, or tennis coach. You then expose yourself to the business world or the real world, you know. As a student, you're kind of hidden sometimes. The whole kata di bawah tempurung comes into the picture. Our parents, if we are blessed to have parents who focus on just giving us that environment of just studying you know all you have to do is study we will work hard and you just study we're blessed i think that is also a blessing to only pursue that but that can be a disadvantage at times when you don't get that exposure i truly relate to that actually Ms. Gita, because i think whatever you're saying is is really really true because being myself um, you know, just studying all the time and I'm 23 now and I, like you said, you know, working various jobs, I'm getting that experience at this age where I was supposed to get it maybe after my SPM or, or you know, when I was 18. But no, at 23, I feel like I'm restarting and, and trying to know where my interest lies. So, yep, yep. Well said, well said. So, on that note, uh, we move on to our last question for today, which will be, if you were to give one memorable message to the listeners listening today, what would your message be? I would say to live life to the maximum. Definitely live life to the maximum. I met a 55-year-old woman last week who is a pole dancer. I cannot believe it. And the first thing I said, right, when she was just telling telling me about her life, she runs a few businesses and also started a pole dancing studio in Singapore and is selling the business now and um, focusing on other businesses. I'm like, wow, you totally just lived your life out. She said, yes, every day counts. So I think that would be my message to the listeners to this podcast. Every day counts. What are you doing with your day? And checking what are you doing in a day makes the biggest difference. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Gita. Every day comes. Yeah, those three words have a really, really, really deep meaning. <laughs> so, yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, on that note, on behalf of the Brickfield Asia College Career Club, we truly thank you for taking up your precious time to join us today. 
It has been a pleasure to be the host of your podcast today. I was personally super excited to interview you. Thank you for sharing some valuable nuggets of advice with us today. You have came through a long way to be the person you are today. And you're, we just want you to know that you're inspiring many young women. Thank you. Thank you, Trishna. Thank you, Keshika. Thanks, BAC Career Club too. Uh, on that note, thank you so much to Ms. Gita and thank you to all our listeners today. 